You're listening to KNBR, the only place with Golden State Warriors basketball. Now back to Mr. T. Rado Tom Tolbert with you. Always a pleasure to welcome to the show Rick Welts, the president and COO of the Golden State Warriors. Rick, what's going on? Uh, you know, we're recovering from uh, one that stung a little bit last night, but here we go on the road for the longest trip of the year, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about our team. Yeah, that was one that in watching the game, the first game I really thought you know, Bogut could have made a difference in that game defensively because they did some stuff with Vucevic and Davis that I don't think would have been quite as easy to do. And then, of course, Reddick gets off, and the guy can flat-out shoot. And when he gets he gets going, I thought there were some missed assignments maybe on some screens, but he he got it going. But in watching that game, I don't know if your assessment was the same, that I thought, wow, if they would have had, you know, if Boga was healthy, some of those things would have been a little more difficult for the Magic inside. Yeah, I will uh, I'll tell you that uh, the first thing I said to uh... Bob Myers after the game was exactly what you just said. I really do think it would have made a difference. It's a tough matchup for us uh, down inside. So we're here with Ray Ratto working for, uh, he comes over here occasionally and slums it with me, but uh, usually over there at Comcast Sports, and he's going to be involved in The Last Barrier. You're also involved in this. It's a one-hour special produced by Comcast Sports Net. It's going to debut December 8th at 3 p.m. on NBC Bay Area and it's a special, and it's going to be talking about when pro sports will be ready for an openly gay athlete. Of course, Rick was the first openly gay sports executive, so he knows of of what he speaks. And just curious, your thoughts on this subject, Rick. Before we get to the athletes, talk about your decision and what went into your decision to make that public. For me, it was really just having reached a point in my life where uh, I felt that I was ready to take that step. That's an intensely personal decision. Um, part of what held me back for as long as it did was the fact that there hadn't ever been anybody in the position that uh, I was in in a comparable position who had taken that step. So there was no way for me to, to really watch someone else go through the experience to learn from it and maybe gain some confidence that uh, – of how that would turn out. Um, but I, I had just reached that point in my life and, and really had made peace with the fact that I really didn't want to any longer exclude that part of my life from the people that I worked with. Um, when you noticed that the NHL has been so proactive on this, um, do, do you look and and feel like maybe I should call somebody at the league off and say, Maybe we should have something like this. Well, you know, as as a real one of the real ironies of uh, <clears throat> my timing of my situation was the the uh, the day that I got back from uh, New York visiting with David Stern to to ask him to help tell this story through the New York Times. Uh, the NBA had arranged for a PSA shoot uh, at my uh my then arena US Airways Center in Phoenix with two of our players Grant Hill and Jared Dudley that I had nothing to do with putting together it was at the league's initiative that was a PSA that ran heavily through the playoffs last year talking about uh uh the use of the word gay and 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 how it should or should not be used and the effect that it has on people so I actually think our league has been good you know 
I have utmost respect for uh, for Brian Burke and Patrick Burke. They both, uh, Brian in particular, has become a, a really good friend. They have, you know, Brian is the uh, the head of uh, hockey operations at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Certainly have an intensely personal interest in this subject, having uh, lost a son who uh, was involved in hockey and who was openly gay and and who died tragically in an automobile accident and. You know, I give Brian, Patrick, and Gary Bettman and everybody else at the NHL a lot of credit, but but it really is a tribute to to that family's commitment to preserve the memory of of a really extraordinary young man through the work that they've done. Talking to Rick Welts, president of the Golden State Warriors, also COO. Before you make this decision, Rick, what were you thinking could be worst-case scenario? I spent a lot more time to, uh, getting to the point in my own mind to make the decision and then helping to orchestrate how it would be told. And I, and I really, for whatever reason, didn't spend a lot of time thinking about okay. anything bad that could happen. I, I, I expected something a little different than did happen. I, I expected there'd be some element out there. You put a percentage on it. I don't know, 10% that would find, uh, what I did objectionable and would, would want to let me know that the reality, which, you know, I, I uh, is the truth. Although it it doesn't even sound credible, that of the thousands and thousands of emails, of the hundreds of letters, of the phone calls, I got um, not one person, not one person, decided to uh, take the time to respond in a negative manner. And and to me, that was just extraordinary. That's not what I expected. So, uh, very gratifying, but but unexpected. If do you think you could have made the same choice if you were working in a town that I don't want to say isn't as tolerant, but it doesn't have a, a you know doesn't have that same sort of sensibility? You know, would it have been more more difficult for you to come out if you were still working, let's say in a in a again, and I'm I'm trying not to generalize here, but like a place like Indianapolis or a place well, like you know, where where you would not think that there would be as much tolerance for that. Well, remember, I was president of the Phoenix Suns when mm. this happened. I don't know if you're following Arizona politics much, but you wouldn't exactly call that a blue state. <laughs> no, it, no, I know, but, there, you know, but Phoenix is a fairly metropolitan town. I mean, it just, it's, it's I, I, I view sort of Phoenix as like this island in the middle of Arizona, and maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, actually, you're right. I think it actually is a very progressive city government, and uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I don't know. You know, it was. I, I don't think you can take my situation and compare it to anybody else. I wouldn't do that because I think it, as I said, it's such an intensely personal set of circumstances that leads one to to want to take this step. Um, you know, it certainly was on the administrative side, and, and I think a much more complicated discussion on the player side. So. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's something that I wouldn't pass my, you know, substitute my judgment for anybody else's when they're, when they're considering making the same decision. Now, what about the, the special, the spe- the special, the last barrier, which, which again is, uh, December 8th, 3 p.m. on NBC Bear, produced by CSN. I, I've always said it's not going to happen anytime soon. And I think we've gotten beyond, Rick, I think we've gotten beyond the, the locker room stuff where, for the most part, I think there's some 
Neanderthals that are still rolling around sports. Uh, people always say the last bastion of testosterone, all that, whatever. But I, I think for the most part, guys are open-minded enough to say that is fine. You do what you want during your uh, during your time away. I really don't care. I think the biggest issue is going to be media because I think the distraction, not only for the player, will be a year-long circus that I think if the player decides he wants to come out, he's going to have to think about how that affects the teammates. And I don't know if someone's going to want to put his teammates in that position for them to have to answer questions all season long. And even though players are supportive on a lot of issues, I think at some point you get weary of answering questions that don't relate to you or don't relate to the game itself. And it's going to have to take not only a strong individual, but maybe an individual that, you know, talks to his team about it beforehand and says, look, this is going to be something like you've never seen before. Is everybody in on this? Because I don't want to have to put you in a situation. I can deal with it, but I don't want you to have to deal with it as well. You know, I uh, I don't know if you remember, Tom, but shortly after I got to to uh, the Bay Area, I was on your show, and, and uh, you made the same observation, yep. and it really struck home with me. You know, you, you obviously, as a professional athlete, spent a lot of time in that locker room, understand the delicate chemistry that exists between teammates and, and what it takes to be successful, how hard that is, and what a threat of disrupting that chemistry could mean. And not not because of how anybody might feel about the facts of what was being talked about, but how the attention mm-hmm. that that could draw uh, could be disruptive to that very delicate team chemistry. And I thought that was, you know, spot on. And I've talked to a lot of people since then and, and thought about that a lot, and I think that is probably the biggest barrier. I, I think you're not giving athletes credit enough or coaches credit enough or management co- credit enough to believe that there's some great fear that just by the disclosure of this that, that that's somehow a bad thing. I, I don't. I think we're way past that as a society, but, but I do think the point you make is probably what – uh, is weighing on a lot of, of athletes when they think about taking this step. I do disagree with you. I, I think it will happen, mm-hmm. um, and I think it will happen soon. I think it's inevitable. I don't know what sport. I don't know when. It could be next week. It could not. You know, it could be three or four years from now. But I, I think we are on a course where inevitably some player uh, will make that decision. Um, and I and I think when they do that really will be courageous because, again, there's no one who's gone before them in a similar way to really know exactly what the reaction will be. So there's more unknowns than Mm -hmm. there are knowns. When you say, when you talk about how intensely personal a decision that is to decide to come out, does that make it harder because maybe it makes the athlete in question feel more alone and that he's got to make the first step? without knowing whether there's going to be support behind him or does that make it easier? No, I think it makes it much harder. Uh, You know, having been in that, a similar situation, certainly not identical and I don't think quite as complicated, but I, but I, I do think that just inability to, to learn and watch from somebody else who has been in the same situation as we do in every other aspect of our lives is a real barrier to, uh, to a player when he's considering it. Um, when there, uh, I remember Comcast, Comcast did a, a town hall after they came out with the the Glenn Burke documentary, and I was on stage for a bit of that. And somebody asked me, you know, when do you think, you know, is the best time for someone to come out? I said, when the person who's coming out is Peyton Manning, when it's the best player in the sport, 
and that will make it easier basically for maybe everyone because I think while players, some players may have judgmental issues about it, they're far more interested in winning than they are in making a political stand. Um, do you think that's correct or that, that if it was a truly great player coming out, that it would be easier for people to come in behind and say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm there too, or does it matter? I, I think uh, it would be more impactful if it was a very high-profile player. I, I think, you know, we're, we're you know, as, as human beings, we're afraid of things that we don't understand. And when you can put a human face, in fact, a human face that we know on any problem or any situation, it becomes much easier to deal with and fear subsides. And I think while they're not by any means uh, comparable in terms of what the issues are when you know, if it wasn't, if it was a, a the number of five cyclists on the U.S. cycling team who had cancer and then came back to win uh, the Tour de France, I don't think it would have been as impactful as if it was Lance Armstrong. And if some other athlete, other than Magic Johnson, had been the first ones to step up and say I'm HIV positive and change the dialogue on that disease around the world forever. Um, because it was Magic Johnson, because everyone felt like they knew somebody now, uh, that's different than it would have been had it been a, a player of much less prominence. So I think just the, I, I think the, I, I go along with that assumption that that it would be more impactful, and probably in some ways uh, pave a, a, a wider freeway for others if uh, if that was a very very successful player. After it happens for the first time, I don't know if I would agree with you that it'll happen uh, in the next two or three years, but it may. I have no reason to believe it will or will not, but will will it be, I don't want to say harder or easier, but how long before we see it again the second time? And how much do you think a gay athletes in any sport will be watching intently on the, the reaction, the scrutiny, the media in deciding whether they want to come out and thinking, will it be easier the second time? I'm assuming it's easier the third time for the fourth athlete, the fifth athlete. But do you think it will be something that when it happens for the first time, then we'll see it quickly thereafter and we'll see a number of athletes? Or do you think it's going to take a while to make sure you see exactly what that athlete had to go through in deciding whether you want to do it or not? Or does it become easier or harder? I think it'll become easier because, I, I, but I'm doing that with an assumption that I think it's going to go uh, extremely well mm -hmm. for whatever player takes that step. I think, uh, uh, and I and I think there will be a lot of people watching. I know, even in my situation, again, very different. Uh, the number of, you know, people on the business side of sports who have reached out to me, who you know, just wanted to connect with somebody they knew would understand their story. Some of whom are ready to take that step, some of whom are not ready to take that step. Uh, I know it's helped uh, people think it through in their own lives and, and have a greater confidence that they know what what would happen if they did take that step or what did happen when they did take that step. So I think inevitably it becomes easier, and eventually, frankly, it's going to become a non-story. Um, you know, Jackie Robinson was a great story, but the 100th African-American baseball player who stepped on the field wasn't a real big story. So um, I think inevitably it becomes easier. 
Hey, Rick, we really appreciate the time. Uh, once again, it's December 8th, uh, 3 o'clock on NBC, produced by Comcast Sportsnet. And we also appreciate you taking 15 minutes out of your schedule because you're trying to figure out what the hell the yellow salamander is doing under the pier you want to build your arena on <laughs> and how you can get rid of that damn thing. I think Draymond Green could probably explain it to you in about 15 more minutes. <laughs> hey, Rick, we really appreciate the time. It's always an enjoyable conversation, and we'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Rick. Rick Welts, president and COO of the Golden State Warriors. He told me like a couple of weeks ago when I talked to him, like that's pretty much his day. He's trying to figure out how to get that thing built.